as we are heading toward this wonderful season of Christmas, there are many people who are out there who have fears and phobias related to Christmas. According to an article written about Christmas phobias that you never knew existed, the first one that they mention is tyrandophobia. Anybody out there know what tyrandophobia is or have tyrandophobia? No? Yeah. Tyrandophobia is the fear of reindeer. I didn't know there was a fear of reindeer. And it's, it's not all deer, but it does include Rudolph, okay? Uh, don't know who might have that, but pray for those who have fear of reindeer. Not all deer, again, but reindeer. There's another fear out there called Chianophobia. Chianophobia is the fear of snow. And I have the fear of snow when I have to shovel a lot of the snow uh, in my driveway. Uh, but as wonderful as that white fluffy stuff is, it can cause traffic disruptions and accidents that can cause real anxiety-induced phobias. It's, it's real stuff. Um, the next one is duranophobia. And duranophobia is the fear of gifts, more precisely the fear of receiving and opening gifts. The fear of opening and receiving gifts. I, I don't have that one. Um, it may surprise you, however, that someone be, be averse to opening gifts, but many of you have been there, right? Many of you have been there. You have a, a relative who is so excited about the gift that they have gotten for you, and they come up to you and they say, like, like my grandma, here, David, I got this wonderful gift for you. Open it in front of me. And they're obviously wanting to see your joy as you open it up. And the fear is, well, what, what if you don't like it? You know, what, a, what, what, if it's, what if I make a weird face when I open it up? I, I did. I, I received a gift a couple years ago, and it was a bar of soap. And I'm thinking, uh, wow, thank you, I think. It, was a, it wasn't from my wife, no. My, my mother-in-law found it. Mom, thank you for the gift of soap. It was a specialized, fun soap she thought I would like. But I was like, oh my, what did I do? <laughs> but, uh, you know, there, there are these real fears and real phobias that, that people have. You know, um, some people have a fear of not being ready for Christmas. Anybody out there? Yeah, there's a lot of us out there. Uh, the fear of Christmas altogether. And there are are those um, who have other fears as well. As we look at another Advent text in the Gospel of Luke this morning, we're going to see some shepherds who are terribly frightened by an angel. And it seems like virtually everyone who comes in contact with an angel in the Scriptures has the same reaction. They have angelophobia or the fear of angels. And I'm guessing that each one of us would have that same reaction if an angel were to confront us. So as we look at God's word this morning, uh, I know that the bulletin doesn't have our passage, but it is Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 8 through 14. This is found on page 1020 in the church Bibles. Again, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8. This is God's holy, infallible, life-giving, and life-transforming word. Please follow along as I read God's word. In 
In the same region, there were some shepherds standing out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. May the Lord bless the reading, hearing, and obeying of God's holy word. Would you please pray with me? Oh, Father God, we come before you this morning. Help us, O oh Lord, to look to you for the Holy Spirit to make alive your word. Help us, Lord, to listen to what you have to say to us today. Help us, Lord, to come before you. Ask us, Lord, to be transformed further into the image of Christ. Help us, Lord, to obey your word, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, as we celebrate this Sunday, this third Sunday of Advent, we'll be looking at some shepherds who were watching their sheep who often strayed. The shepherds were out in the fields watching their sheep who often strayed. These shepherds were minding their own business and they were doing their job. It is said that it was often a, a thankless job and required little to no education, just a willingness to live with smelly, stupid sheep 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There were often a group of, of shepherds, at least one of which would needed to stay awake during the night to keep alert for any potential threat of wild animals or thieves. And you may be thinking perhaps back to the day when young David, before he, before he was king, when he was a shepherd, he was a shepherd because he was the youngest of his father's sons. He was told by his father, Jesse, David, you're too young to be fighting with your brothers. I need you to Stay back and watch the sheep. And of course, we know that David took his job very seriously. Uh, remember that his brothers, again, were with King Saul, and they were with the Israelite army, and they were getting ready to fight against the Philistines, in particular against that Philistine giant Goliath. And everyone was afraid of this giant Goliath. But David said that he would fight him. See this little young guy going up to King Saul and said, look, I, I will fight this Goliath. I want you to know that as a shepherd, I was there caring for the sheep. And whenever there was a lion or, or a bear who took one of the lambs from the flock, I would go after him and strike him and deliver that lamb out of his mouth. And if a lion or a bear arose against me, I would have caught him. I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. And young David said to King Saul, I have struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So this picture of David as a shepherd is what a shepherd 
is supposed to be. So these shepherds who were out in the field, if they cared for their sheep, they would have been watching over their flocks day and night with a desire to save them from any potential threat, any enemy. And this is what the Lord our God, our shepherd, does for us as his sheep. We are his sheep who have strayed because of sin. But God, our chief shepherd, was always watching after his people, his sheep. God's people had not seen the glorious presence of the Lord since it had been departed from the temple over 400 years ago. And this is the context of our passage. God had not spoken through any of his prophets in over 400 years. There was 400 years of silence awaiting for God to fulfill the promise to come and save his people, his sheep. In verse 9, we're able to see that silence broken. God sent an angel, and an angel came, and the glory of God, the Lord, was displayed. An angel came, and the glory of the Lord was displayed. You know, because of Hallmark, angels have been pictured as these white fluffy things that are sitting on a cloud and playing harps, and they're so friendly and lovely. But we know better as we read the scriptures. Our, our text here shows us that, and in many other places in the Bible, that people have been fearing the presence of angels over and over again. Angels are, are one of God's special creations, however, that were created to obey and serve the Lord. And one of the ways that these angels served the Lord was as messengers, which is what the word angel means. The glory of the Lord that appeared invisible for over 400 years was now being displayed. It wasn't the angel. There was the angel, and then they had the glory of the Lord as well there. It is said that the glory of the Lord is the magnificence or worth and loveliness and grandeur of God's many perfections. It is his display to his creation and through creative acts to make his glory known to those in his presence. The word for glory here, or in the Old Testament Hebrew, is kabod, and it can mean be defined as weighty or heaviness, honorable, exalted, and revered. And in the New Testament here, as Luke writes, the word is doxa, and it, and it means to praise, repute, or fame. And, and this, this glory of the Lord that was shown around these shepherds when the angel of the Lord stood before them was like that of the glory that Moses had, was able to experience. Remember when Moses boldly asked God, the Lord, to show him his glory, <clears throat> and God gave him a glimpse of his awesome glory. You know, awesomeness is one of those words that is so misunderstood in our world today, but the awesomeness of God's glory is much different than when Philadelphia Eagles say, winning a Super Bowl, that would be awesome, right? But that's not awesome. And it's, it's fine, it's good, it's great, we get excited about it. But awesome, in the true biblical sense, is experiencing an overwhelming sense of reverence and fear of the Lord. And this is where we, we see the response of the shepherds to the appearance of the angel and the awesome glory of the Lord that was shining around them. It says, suddenly the shepherds were fearful and dismayed. Suddenly the shepherds were fearful 
and dismayed. Again, sort of a natural reaction to when you have an angel come before you. The shepherds were terrified, really. They were were supposed to be these fearless shepherds who were watching their flocks, keeping them from harmful enemies. And yet, as they stood in the presence of an angel and the glory of the Lord, they were dismayed. They They were frightened. The Greek here says that they feared with a great fear. That's what it literally says. They feared with a great fear. The the word here is phobon, which is where we get our word for phobia. Again, which means terrified or frightened. Standing in the presence of an angel of the Lord with the glory of the Lord shining around them, they were most likely fearing that this was the end of their days. They really thought this is it. You know, I'm going to be killed. I can't even imagine the fear and dread that they were experiencing. I, I, I'm easily uh, ex- uh, frightened. You know, somebody will come up from behind me, my wife will tap me on the shoulder, what? You know, but I can't even imagine what it would have been like for them. These, but you know, there are, there are many real fears that people have, not just these fears related to Christmas that I shared earlier. People have fears about the economy. People have fears about their finances. People have more serious fears than that, the fear of of death or dying or not knowing what will happen after they die. And the message that God was sending, however, was not a message of fear. In fact, it was just the opposite. It says, then the angel responded to these shepherds saying, do not be afraid. The angels offered comfort to these shepherds by saying, do not be afraid. The angel was saying, do not be frightened. Do not be terrified. The angel Lord did not come to destroy them. God did not send an angel to kill these shepherds. God had a message of joy that needed to be conveyed. God had a message of joy that the angel conveyed. This message of joy is found in verse 10, where the angel says, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I'm not sure what kind of good news that these shepherds were expecting to hear. The first good news, I suppose, was that they were not being destroyed by the angel. That certainly would have been good news. The good news of great joy that the angel conveyed was that God sent his son, Christ the Lord, for us to be saved. God sent an angel to convey this message that Christ the Lord for us to be saved. God began his promise for us to be saved back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where we learn that the promised Messiah would be born of a woman. And when we see the word Christ in our passage, Luke mentions all these words very particularly for a reason. So it says that Christ is here. And so the Christ in our passage is the same word for Messiah that we read in the Old Testament. It means anointed one. It means the same word from Micah chapter 5 verse 2 when we learn that this Christ would be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 we learn that this Messiah, this one who would save us, would be born of a virgin and that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us. 
In Samuel, we learn that the promised Messiah would reign on David's throne forever and ever. The promised Messiah would come for us to be saved and would defeat our enemies of sin, death, and Satan. The reason that Christ the Lord came for us to be saved because we are sinners and we disobeyed is because we are sinners and we have all disobeyed. Because there is good news of great joy means that there is the bad news. That is the bad news. The bad news, the very bad news, is not just that we are all sinners and that we have disobeyed. King David reminds us of this bad news that we have been sinful from the time of birth, as in Psalm 51. In fact, from the time we were conceived. The bad news only gets worse, however. Not only are we all sinners, but in Romans chapter 6, God's word tells us that the wages of our sin is death. What we should be paid for our sins is death. The thing that we deserve for our sin and disobedience is eternal death and punishment in hell forever. That is the worst news that anyone could possibly ever hear. Yet, this good news of great joy that was being conveyed is that God sent Christ the Lord for us to be saved. The angel declared to the shepherds in verse 11, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so we see that an announcement of his birth had to be made. An announcement of his birth had to be made. When God brings a child into the world and into our lives, parents will often make a wonderful announcement. When we had our firstborn, Becca, come into our world and into our lives, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have email or social media, but we were so excited to send out an announcement of the birth of our firstborn child, Becca, and so we decided to send out postcards and I thought it'd be a little clever idea to take her foot, put it on a stamp pad, and get an imprint of her foot on this postcard. And so we sent a picture of, every, of her foot to everyone, letting her know that she has come into the world. Of course, we included the important details of her name, her birth, her height, her weight, and that she was born at Delaware County Hospital in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. That's right. But to all of our out-of-town guests, they didn't know anything about Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. They thought it was just merely some insignificant place. Yet for us, this was the birthplace of our firstborn child. We were filled with joy that God would bless us with Becca. And so we gave her middle, no middle name Joy. But as much joy that God has blessed us with Becca and with all of our children, God has blessed the whole world with the greatest of joy. And God did this by sending us Jesus, God the Son, and announcing his birth. God used one of his messengers, an angel, to share this good news of great joy. The angel began by announcing his birth to the shepherds. The angel said, for today in the city of David is born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Savior who was born in the city of David. But why did Luke call 
Bethlehem, the city of David. If we look in the Old Testament, there's over 40 different times that in the Old Testament that it refers to Jerusalem as the city of David. Jerusalem was that Jebusite city that was captured by David. It is where David established his kingdom. And yet David, who would one day be king, was born in Bethlehem. And that is why the angel announced the birthplace of Jesus as the city of David. Earlier in the passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, this is confirmed. It says that Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was from the house and family of David. You know that the pre-announcement of the birth of Jesus was made hundreds of years earlier. It was made back in the days of the prophet Micah. I mentioned it briefly. This prophecy of the birth of Jesus said, but as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. Therefore, he will give them up until the time when she who is in labor has born a child. And this child would one day arise and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord. This prophecy was pointing to the day, this day, that the angel announced the birth of Jesus, the Savior, the birth of the promised Messiah King, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of the promised one who would come from the line of David, who would sit enthroned as king forever and ever and ever. But why did God have an angel announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds? Ever wonder that? You can imagine with me a, a scenario of, of God calling the angels together. He gathers them around. I'm going to choose one of you angels to do something special for me. I have a job for you. I need you guys to go down to Bethlehem, the city of David, and announce the promised Savior to be born. And I'm sure that the angel who was picked was very excited to be chosen to make this announcement. Me? Oh, wow. I'm going to go and make this wonderful announcement. The angel thinking perhaps he was going to be showing up on during the day, during the Sabbath day, of course, and would, would announce, make this announcement during worship and to the, to the religious leaders who were there. But you know what? God had a different plan. And he told the angels, he, I need you to go out at night. Make an announcement at night. By the way, isn't that when most people are sleeping? And he told them to go out, not into the city, but into the fields and make an announcement to these shepherds. Again, the angel's going, are you sure you got this right, God? The angel didn't want to question God, but perhaps he thought, why these lowly shepherds in the middle of the night? What, what are they going to do with this announcement? But as God says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Perhaps, however, even, even the shepherds who were receiving these, this announcement were like, and you're telling us why? 
we're, we're merely shepherds. We're merely lowly shepherds who are watching and caring for these dirty, smelly sheep. It's said that because these shepherds were constantly handling these dirty creatures, they themselves would have been unclean and would have been prevented from the, keeping the ceremonial law. These shepherds were ironically the ones who are watching and caring for the sheep that would be used in those ceremonial sacrifices for the sins of the people. The shepherds, however, were, were constantly kept away from the temple worship because they were always unclean. Why would God have an angel send a message to these shepherds who were these unclean people? But our pure and holy God sent a message to them. It was a message of good news and great joy that a Savior, Christ the Lord, had been born for them. The angel said, this Savior who has been born for you. He was talking to the shepherds and all these people, but he said to you. They would have been included in the you, right? A Savior was born for these unclean shepherds. The announcement was a reminder that the Savior that was born was not just for these unclean shepherds, but to all of us, because we are all unclean because of our sin. We're no different than those shepherds, and we needed to hear that announcement. And the angel told the shepherds where they could find their Savior. The angel said in verse 12, This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. These unclean shepherds were told that they could find the Savior being born in an unclean place, in a manger surrounded by unclean animals. This is the good news of great joy of why Jesus came. He came into this sinful world, to an insignificant city, born in an unclean manger to save an unclean people. In verse 15, we can see their response, the response of these humble, unclean shepherds saying, let us go straight to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It says that they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And then they started telling everyone this good news of great joy. It says in verse 20 that the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as had been told them. Immediately after the announcement had been made, it says a host of angels praised God with a joyful serenade. A host of angels praised God with a joyful serenade. Perhaps you could imagine with me once again the angels who had been watching and waiting since the day that Adam and Eve were expelled from the Garden of Eden because of their rebellion and sin. The angels had been waiting thousands of years for the promised Messiah to come, being born of a woman who would one day crush the head of the enemy. They were waiting for the day that the Savior of the world would come to defeat sin, death, and Satan once and for all. And when these host of angels who were all hiding in the background 
When they heard the announcement of the birth of Jesus, it says in verse 13, and suddenly there appeared with them, with this angel, the one angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. This heavenly host was God's angel army. It said there was a multitude of angels. It was, a, it was a large number, a crowd, a throng, a plethora of angels, too many to be counted. And they had been there waiting for this joyful announcement for thousands of years. And their response was to praise God with joyful song. In fact, Luke gives us the words of praise in verse 14, where it says, They said, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men. Who, with whom he is pleased. Glory to God in the highest. This was the sudden and resounding joyful response from this host of angels when they heard the announcement of this good news of great joy. It was a response of joy and jubilation. This joy was much different than our world's definition of joy. The joy that many people in this world have is has to do with a desire and their emotions. One definition of joy says it's an emotion evoked by well-being and success and good fortune. It's the, it's the prospect of possessing what one desires. That's what the world thinks joy is. This type of joy is merely temporal and will never truly satisfy. This type of joy is more like the pursuit of happiness and trying to get what you want in life. It is what many people in the world, especially in the retail world around Christmas, are hoping that you will crave. That is the type of joy that they want you to have. Many people, when they come upon the Christmas season, they're, they're looking for that perfect gift that they hope will bring joy to themselves or to someone else. Remember that the perfect gift, you guys remember that perfect gift that everyone thought was the perfect gift 10 years ago? Remember that gift? I don't remember soap. <laughs> no, I, I have no idea what that perfect gift was 10 years ago. It wasn't a Tickle Me Elmo that was even further back, right? It, it is likely that that perfect gift 10 years ago is just collecting dust somewhere or, or has been thrown out in the trash. There's been a lot of money that has been spent to try and find the perfect gift that will bring joy. Gifts can cost an awful lot these days. And it is said that nearly 50% of people who purchased Christmas gifts last year are still paying them off this year. There's only one perfect gift that can bring real and lasting joy. It is the perfect gift of Jesus. For us to have real and lasting joy, we need to have the perfect gift of Jesus that has already been paid. The perfect gift of Jesus is what had to be paid. It is what had to be paid. The perfect gift of Jesus came first in his birth, then in his perfect and sinless life, and then Jesus paid the penalty for our sins by dying on a cross in our place. But Jesus showed his power over sin and death by rising from the grave, and he offers us that perfect gift of eternal life, which alone can give us true and lasting joy. To receive this gift of faith, faith in Jesus is what must be prayed. In order to receive this gift of eternal life, faith in Jesus is what must be prayed. Faith is believing and trusting in the good news of Jesus. 
It means putting our trust in Jesus as the good shepherd who alone has perfectly laid down his life for his people, his sheep. It is going to God in prayer and letting him know that we are unclean, sinful sheep who can only be saved by the perfect sacrifice of Jesus as the perfect Lamb of God. I know that many of you have already put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but there are many of you here who have strayed from following Jesus in the way that we should. We have all strayed. But I want you to be reminded that the Lord is our good shepherd who is watching over us. Even during our darkest nights, through our deepest fears, through our struggles, through our doubts and discouragement. The Lord, our God, our shepherd, has already paid the penalty for our sins. He has already forgiven us of our sins. He, he promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises to provide all that we need. Psalm 23 reminds us that he is the one, he is the good shepherd who has restored our soul. He is the one who guides us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though we may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we have no reason to fear anything. We have no reason to fear any evil. Our good shepherd has his rod and his staff to comfort us. He has prepared a table in the presence of our enemies. Because the Lord is our shepherd, goodness Mercy, as well as true and lasting joy, will follow us all the days of our lives. Because we put our trust in Jesus as our good Savior, we know that we will one day dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And because of Jesus, and because of only Jesus, we can sing joyful songs of praise. Because of Jesus, we can sing joyful songs of praise. Not just with words and melodies, but living our lives with joyful songs of praise. This is what the shepherds did when they heard and saw the good news of great joy that Jesus, their Savior, had been born. One of my favorite Christmas carols is Joy to the World, Unspeakable Joy, which is what we're about to sing. And I, I want us just to briefly reflect upon the lyrics of this song. It begins by saying, Joy to the World. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world. The Savior reigns. Let, their songs, let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Joy, unspeakable joy. An overflowing well, no tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy, rises in my soul, never lets me go. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. Joy, unspeakable joy. An overflowing well, no tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy, rises in my soul, never lets me go. This is the joy 
that we have as we put our faith and trust in Jesus. This is the joy that we can declare in praises as we sing. This is the joy that we can live our lives as we worship and serve Jesus as our King. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you when we praise you that you came into this world and that you made this announcement of your birth to these unclean shepherds as a reminder that we are unclean people in need of your saving grace. Lord, we need you, Lord Jesus. We need you as the one who has forgiven us of our sins, who has given us your righteousness, who has given us the, the free gift of eternal life. Lord, we thank you for this joy, this wonderful joy that you've given to us, this good news of great joy. Help us, Lord, to live our lives giving you all glory, honor, and praise. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.